We are back with part two of You and Your Emotions with ther therapist Julia Sherrill. Um, hope you enjoyed the first part. The second part, again, filled with a lot of information. Take what is useful for you, use it. Um, what's not useful, that's okay, don't worry about it. Um, this is just an attempt to help all of us as we navigate this time. Hope it's beneficial. So we got a lot on emotions. Um, so the next thing is EFT, emotional freedom technique or tapping, which has become really popular. Hmm. And um, this is, you know, a way to integrate some of the benefits of therapy, which is kind of recognizing thoughts and emotions, sensations, and connecting them and linking them with all of these meridians, these energetic meridians that have been studied for acupressure and acupuncture and, you know, for so many years in traditional Chinese medicine and, um, you know, so many different just ways of knowing and healing yeah. in the world. So and meridians are just what they're, what? Channels of energy. Channels of energy. Okay. Mm -hmm. right. Cool. So different places in our body where energy uh, is flowing, greater flowing, mm -hmm. more consolidated. Is that? Yeah. Yeah, so there are like, there are different energy patterns, like different lines of energy, and sometimes they intersect. And so the chakras would be a way of having intersection. And so the energy starts to swirl and kind of circle in certain places. Okay. Um, and so you can find information on the chakras. I mean, this is Anahata chakra, which is your heart chakra. It's represented by the color green. You know, like there's a, a ton of stuff you can go into to, to learn about the chakras. So when you go to like an acupuncture therapist, mm -hmm. right, which I've, I've been, I've gotten acupuncture before, they put them in these energy places? Is that kind they, of what they're doing? They do. Not necessarily chakras. They could be chakras, but they are um, focused on these different lines of energy okay. and their reference points. So I'm not an acupuncturist, so I can't speak to that all directly, yeah. but, yeah. you know, there are certain, like, you know, your lung might be represented in a part on your foot, right? You know? Mm -hmm. um, and so there are these different energy lines and they might reference something else. And this goes back like centuries and centuries into mm -hmm. Eastern? Yes. Uh, tradition? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, so EFT. So Sorry. EFT, it's also called tapping. So you'll hear it both ways. Um, and it's something you can learn on your own. So I'll give you kind of a little preview of it. But if you're interested, you know, go on YouTube. Um, Dawson Church has a lot of information. Nick Ortner has a lot of information. Uh, so, you know, if you put in tapping or EFT, you know, there's just tons of information out there. So, you know, feel free to, to play with that. Um, so the idea here is that we're going to use affirmations at the same time as we're going to be tapping on certain meridians and certain acupressure points. Okay. And so we're releasing and helping energy move and flow. And we're saying these affirmations at the same time. Okay. So it sounds kind of silly. And it, um, I think for a lot of people, it's kind of like a weird thing to do. Um, but I've had some people find some really good benefit. And I mean, a, a lot of people find a lot of benefit in it. So All right. what I want to do is just kind of show you how it works. And then, you know, we won't go through like a full practice and do many rounds of it. But you know, kind of give you a preview of it and just kind of a teaser in case anybody's interested and they can find out more information too. Okay. That sound good? Yeah. I'm excited. Let's do it. So we'll try this together. Um, and the idea is you have something that you're emotionally charged about. 
right? That's kind of when we use EFT. And it could be feeling overwhelmed or scared or worried. And we'll practice one today that's in that vein, since it's kind of related to like the COVID stuff that's happening and how we're all sort of feeling. Um, and the first thing that you do is you rate it on a scale of zero to 10, and you choose a specific issue. Okay. So I'm going to choose, and the rating is not going to be quite as important right now because we're not going to do like rounds and rounds and rounds of this. What a lot of people, a lot of practitioners would say is do this until your number goes down. So, you know, re-rate initially, do the practice for a few rounds, check in, re-rate, and if it's not lower, do more rounds, check in. If it's not, so it can be something that you could do maybe two rounds of. It could be something you could do 20 rounds of. You can, you know, it's flexible in that way. Yeah. Okay. So I just want to kind of run through it so that we at least are familiar with what the points and what they mean. <clears throat> so let's just choose kind of the overwhelming stuff that's going on with COVID as our example today. Yeah. So I'll talk us through it and we'll just, we'll do it together. So the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to use kind of the meaty part of our outside of the palm. You can kind of feel like there's kind of that like fleshy part. Your karate chop part, right? Your karate chop part, exactly. Okay. So this is our karate chop point. So we're just going to be tapping this. And with EFT, I like to tap with, you know, all three of my um, like pointer, middle and ring fingers okay. because I have a better chance of hitting that specific acupressure point if I'm okay. using three fingers rather than just one. Mm, okay. And then what would, so you say something to yourself while you do this? Yes. So we're going to say, um, so Step one is focus on a specific issue and choose the intensity rating. I'm not going to choose an intensity rating because we're not going to keep going through it, but it would be something like I'm at a seven, you know, seven out of 10, 10 is the highest, something like that. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to repeat this statement three times and as we're doing the karate chop. So even though I feel overwhelmed, I deeply and completely accept myself. Even though I feel overwhelmed, I deeply and completely accept myself. Even though I feel so overwhelmed, I deeply and completely accept myself. And then we're going to shift to the top of the head. And so I'm just going to be saying statements that are just kind of reiterating what our initial statement is. So we're going to go top of the head. I'm so overwhelmed. There's just so much going on right now. It's just hard to know what to do. It's just, there's a lot. We're going to move to the inside of the eyebrow. So kind of where the beginning of your eyebrow is. And you can do this on both sides. It doesn't matter because everything's connected. So right or left, it doesn't matter. So moving into the eyebrow, there's just a lot of uncertainty. Everything's different. And I don't know what the world's going to look like after this. As we're breathing, side of the eye. Going to the grocery store is scary. It's, it's hard to do. It's stressful. I don't want to breathe. I don't want to be near anyone. I don't like that. Under the eye. It just feels really overwhelming. It feels overwhelming to try and make sense of the fact that sometimes things are okay and sometimes they're not. And I just, I don't know how to make sense of what's happening in this world. Under the nose. There's so much uncertainty. The uncertainty is hard for me. The uncertainty makes me feel overwhelmed. 
under the chin, and it's really above the chin and between the lower lip, kind of that indentation there. I feel overwhelmed about this. It's hard to watch the news. I don't want to watch the news. The news doesn't tell me good things. It makes me more worried. Moving to the collarbone. I think it's mostly the uncertainty that's hard for me. It's the uncertainty, the ambiguity, not knowing when is everyone going back to work. Worried about finances, worried about health. There are so many things right now. Going to under the arm. So if you're a woman, it's kind of where your um, bra strap would be. Just kind of a couple inches under. It's not in your armpit, a little bit lower. And just tapping here. There's just so much uncertainty and so much overwhelm. The things are just really hard right now. And so you would repeat that sequence a few times. And so you're just calling out whatever you're thinking. You know, whatever you're feeling, whatever you're noticing, there's tightness in my body. Um, any kind of experience, any kind of sensation, any kind of emotion or thought, you're, you're just being honest about what's happening and you're just letting that energy move. Okay. When, I th when you said affirmation, I thought something positive, you know, for some reason. But I like the naming of, and you started out with something positive mm -hmm. at the beginning, right? And then you went on to... Let me just name all these fears or concerns or worries or stress. Yeah. And, you know, there are some folks who would say do a few rounds of the negative stuff or, you know, negative is just kind of like, this is hard and I don't know. And what do I do? I mean, I think it's good to be honest with what's happening, right? You know, pushing it under the rug isn't going to get us too much further. So just kind of like, okay, this is it. This is what's happening. How can I be with this? How can I notice it? How can I pay attention to it? And then there might feel like a time to shift and to start moving into, you know, something like I'm learning new techniques. I'm working on this. Uh, There's hope for the future. I have seen some cool things happening. I've seen people coming together. How many people have made masks? How cool is it that people are stepping up and creating things to help people who are on the front lines? How grateful am I that there are people that are on the front lines? Going to the grocery store, there are people that are staffing the grocery store and the gas station. You know, people are so brave right now. So I think it's a, it's a nice shift to kind of, once things start to move a little bit, to shift into kind of the future orientation and the hope that there is. And maybe that's a better way to talk about it than positive and negative. Maybe it's mm -hmm. better to say, you know, being honest about what I'm feeling right now and then, yeah, shifting. And so presently what I'm feeling in the future, what I'm hoping for or what I'm mm -hmm. noticing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's cool. No, I never heard of that. So. Yeah. So it's a fun one to kind of play with and try. It's kids love it. Um, they get a sense of mastery by learning where the, the sequence and where the points are. And so it's a great one for them to use too. And now is this helpful for kids who have a lot of anxiety and like fidget a lot? Because mm -hmm. this is like a very... Mm -hmm. You know, here, you, you get to fidget here, you know, this yeah. is what you're doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's cool. If they can be still enough to learn the, the sequence. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And it's good to do it with someone. So if like, let's say if you learn it and you're working with someone else and you guys do it together, then they can like watch you doing it and then they can get kind of into it rather than having to look at a paper and try and like navigate that too. 
Yeah. Um, that's where watching a video can be helpful because you can watch someone do it and you can just follow them. Yeah. Okay. That's great. So EFT. EFT. Um, so I wanted to at least kind of touch on grief because this is a huge topic, a huge theme, um, and just talk through two different models. There are a variety of models out there. These are the dual process, which is the one that has the circles. That's one that I think is particularly helpful right now. So I wanted to talk about that. And then on the other side is the Kubler-Ross model, which is the most well-known model of grief. And it's typically five stages. I added a sixth. That's one that um, David Kessler, who is a grief specialist, has added. And he did a lot of work with Kubler-Ross, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, a psychiatrist. And so he kind of added that one on to her model. Yeah. So, and that's kind of new, right? I heard that recently. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's newer. Um, absolutely. Okay. All right. So two different ways of thinking about grief. All right. Yeah. And I, you know, I think there's this idea of grief um, in anticipatory grief hmm. and kind of playing with those. So grief is like, it's happening right now and I'm in the middle of grief. And like we talked, you know, a little bit before, you know, I'm, I'm grieving, you know, loss of independence. I'm grieving what I knew is normal. I'm grieving not being able to spend connection and quality time in person, face-to-face, -face, closer than six feet with people. Um, you know, that's, there are things that we're all grieving right now. It could be grieving the loss of a loved one or, you know, actively grieving, which is a little different than anticipatory grief, which is kind of like, I'm anticipating my grief. And so I'm preparing and I'm grieving before there's already a moment to grieve. Uh, so it's like grief before you need to grieve. Yes. So, okay. And I think we've been a little bit in that boat too, you know, kind of grieving ahead of time. Yeah. 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 And grieving during. So I wanted to just kind of acknowledge that and, and all of it is real and all of it is, you know, worth paying attention to. So let's look at the dual process model first, which is the one that's in the white box that has the two circles. Um, <clears throat> It's a very simple model, and I think that it's, I think this captures, this has captured my experience through this, um, and I think it captures grief in a lot of different ways. So we have loss-oriented and we have restoration-oriented. And, you know, essentially we have this bouncy line in between both. Yeah, so if you can't, if you're not watching the video, if you're just listening, there's two circles, one on either side, and there's this line zigzagging between them. Mm -hmm. and on one side is loss oriented and the other is restoration oriented in this line mm -hmm. bouncing back and forth. And that's really, I mean, that's the model, right? Is we're okay. I mean, right now the birds are chirping, the dogwoods are blooming, the sun's out. We've been doing some yard work this weekend and it feels like things are okay in the world. Mm. Yeah. And then we bounce over to hearing about losses and grief and, you know, things that are happening in the world, heartbreaking issues. And we grieve and we're in that space. And then, you know, things kind of resolve a little bit and we go back to, you know, kind of accepting and being with and creating a new sense of how things are going to be and things are okay. And then we bounce back and it's just this kind of ping-ponging in between this restoration orientation and this loss orientation. Yeah. 
So this becomes a constant, like back and forth side. So mm -hmm. feeling fine, not feeling fine, mm -hmm. feeling fine, not feeling fine. Um, so what is that? Does that like wreak havoc on you internally, emotionally, physically, psychologically? I think it's just the process. And that's why people think grief is hard, right? Mm. Because it is hard. Yeah. You know, there's nothing easy about grieving. I think the more that we can be with it, the more that we can get in tune with it, the more we can kind of be honest about what we're experiencing, you know, the better. And that's talking with other people, it's connecting with people, it's doing good self-care, you know, it's eating well, it's sleeping well, it's moving our bodies, it's, you know, it's all of the things that we know to do, but are quick to go out the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. First thing to go, right, is eating Absolutely. well, exercising, mm -hmm. you know, moving your body, yeah. So what do you, so that's the model is mm -hmm. I'm a bone this out works. You bounce back and forth in between. Um, it's a way to understand grief. So it doesn't direct by saying, this is what you do. This is saying, this is a way to understand okay. the experience. Yeah. Okay. And do you think, I mean, now to me, it feels like now is such a time where it's such a long uh, grieving period because you're anticipating the grief right. the whole way and then you experience some of it and then things go back to normal, but you're still kind of anticipating. <laughs> right. Right? right. So you, yeah, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. It is. It is. And it's a lot of work to feel what we feel and to be with it and to experience it fully. Um, and I think it's important. You know, it's usually the hard things and the things that require a lot of attention and focus and effort are the things that are really worth doing. And so I think it's, it's worth being reflective. It's worth tuning in. It's worth talking to people, you know, about how are you doing and how can I help and how can I support you in this journey? And, um, you know, it's, it's hard work, but I think it's important work. Yeah. Yeah, I did too. So that's the first model. That's the first model. And then, the second model, again, is Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's model on her, the five stages of, um, people call it the stages of grief, but it's really the stages of death and dying. And so mm -hmm. she had it as kind of like how one would experience it personally versus how we would experience a loss of someone else. So it's a little bit out of context. And then the other thing um, about her model is that we believed it to be linear. First is denial, second is anger, third is bargaining. The more we've studied this, the more we've learned that it is not linear. It could be, but it doesn't have to be. And so we can go from denial to depression, to anger, to denial, to bargaining, to, and, and we might skip steps. We might never have, you know, there might be steps that we just never experience, and that's okay too. So what are those five classic steps? Could you just say them out loud? Mm -hmm. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And acceptance. Okay. So those could those could be oscillating as as well as what yes. you're saying. Like, yes. um, like I'm seeing people uh, maybe now get where they weren't denying now maybe are denying, right? Mm -hmm. That I'm feeling anything or this is really impacting and it shouldn't be right. Um, 
and maybe now I'm seeing people experience anger where they weren't experienced anger before or, um, or depression now. Mm-hmm. Uh, acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, uh, I saw accept, I saw a lot of people accepting in the beginning and now accepting is becoming hard. Right. And so, yes, yeah, I've seen that kind mm-hmm. of smile going around. Yeah. yeah, and it's interesting because it does, it, you know, there was denial at first and then there was acceptance and everyone's rallying and supporting and how can we do this and, you know, let's let's do all the things for the kids and we were doing in our neighborhood every few days like a scavenger hunt, so you put different things in your windows, like different pictures and, you know, it was like animal themed or funny faces or, you know, different things so that when the families would be walking around the neighborhood, they could mm-hmm. spot, you know, houses that were um, you know, kind of a visual scavenger hunt, and yeah, everyone cool. was on board, and now, you know, nobody's doing anything. Yeah, and it's so, been going on for a while. Right, I mean, it's, it's just kind of like, so there was a lot of, like, acceptance, we're in this, we're going to do this, and now it's kind of, like, mundane, and everyone's stressed, and tired, and depressed, and, you know, it just, it, it bounces around, and so I think, you know, kind of the value of recognizing what these models are is to know that whatever is showing up is okay, it might be hard, and it's also okay to just know that it's there and that it's also not going to last forever yeah. with that intensity. Well, and what is this six um, meaning making, this one that's been added um, relatively recently? That one's about, you know, once you've accepted it, you know, because typically acceptance is going to be kind of closer toward the end of the process. It's just kind of making space for this is the reality that I'm living with now. And the meaning making is how can I live my life now moving forward with this change? How can I make meaning? How can I live into the legacy of the loss of a person? You know, are there things that I can do by taking on some of their values and you know, letting that represent something in my life now? Um, Are there rituals that I'm going to do? Are there random acts of service that I can do that would be supportive and helpful to other people that I can do in honor of this person or this change? Um, So it's, it's doing things beyond ourselves, kind of in service of the thing that we've lost. So here we're, we're giving, putting meaning to what has happened as opposed to Earlier, we talked about our emotions and not always wanting to put meaning to them right away, like not putting a story to them. Right. But right. now it's something we naturally do. So eventually mm-hmm. we put a story and narrative and meaning mm-hmm. to what has happened. Yeah. Okay. Because our brain does, it wants to make sense of things. I mean, that's like you said before, we're storytellers. Yeah. And so if we're trying to take on this thing that wasn't expected or that we don't understand because it doesn't, it's not how we wanted it to go. You know, we have to, our brain just kind of loops until we figure out a way to be able to make sense of that. Hmm. So this is helpful. Yeah, this is helpful, I think, for people to think about right now, how they're moving between these different stages and places. And the Mm -hmm. reminder you said, you know, it's okay wherever you are. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And it's not going to last at that level of intensity forever, even when it feels like it will. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But things won't. Things won't last forever. Even your feelings and emotions right. um, have a season to them, right? Before they move on. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, great. That's helpful. So that's a little bit on um, grief. 
And then I just wanted to throw in a little slide on gratitude because I think there are a lot of silver linings and a lot of things that have shifted and changed. And I think a lot of people are finding moments of gratitude and I think it's great. Um, and I think when we don't know what to do, gratitude is a great place to go. Hmm. Yeah. So, and you have some here, Robert Emmons. Yeah. I think uh, I've mentioned him before to mm -hmm. people. Um, So these are just some benefits of gratitude. There are you know, numerous ways to have a gratitude practice. You could do um, a gratitude journal where you list, you know, up, I mean, ideally the research would say it would support writing three things per day mm. and trying to really get involved in those things. So instead of listing like, you know, my husband, my job, my dog kind of things like, you know, really thinking about like, okay, when I think about my dog, what is, you know, when I see him and when he's excited and like just his little curled up tail because he's a pug and his little squished face and, you know, his little snort sounds that he makes. And if I can really get in that moment, it's going to encode better in my brain. Uh, and if I'm just like, oh, my dog. Okay, next thing. All right, good. I'm done with my gratitude list. Yeah. If we use it like a checkbox, it's not going to be as helpful for the, kind of that encoding process for the brain. Yeah. So some of this is from my understanding is you, it takes longer to imprint these grateful moments um, mm -hmm. to our neurological pathway and to change all that, like we talked about earlier, yeah. so to hold on to it for like 10 seconds or something. Is that right? 10 seconds is good. Um, Dr. Rokansen would say 20 to 30, which is actually a long time, which is why you want to kind of zoom into that moment. If you're, you know, thinking about a person, it's, seeing that person and finding a moment where you can, you know, feel really grateful and kind of rehashing that moment. What was I wearing and where were we and what were we talking about? And how was that that I felt supported and loved and nourished and cared for? And, you know, kind of really allowing that experience to bubble up so that you're re-experiencing it again. Yeah. And then you're encoding it through your five senses. And, you know, there are just, there are multiple ways that you're experiencing it rather than just kind of like a cognitive this one thing check that box okay i'm done yeah like here, here's the name grateful for that person move on instead right. of sitting with it and letting it soak yes um, yeah. absolutely yeah okay. for sure all right so three things to be grateful for mm-hmm yeah, so that's, you know, some people do like um, a gratitude jar where they write, you know, something or a couple things they're grateful for and put it in their jar. And then on a rainy day, you know, open it up and read everything. Um, you can do it in a journal. You can share it with friends and family over dinner. You can, hmm. you know, you can do so many different ways of practicing gratitude. But really the idea is focusing on what we have rather than what we don't have. Yeah. That's huge. Well, and even when people say sometimes like the, they don't, maybe somebody doesn't pray before a meal or something. Mm -hmm. um, I'm like, oh, well, that's fine. Mm -hmm. I'm just thankful to be able to have this meal with you right now, you know? Um, and that, it automatically makes the meal better. Mm -hmm. um, so I appreciate it more. And yeah. that whole moment um, sinks in a little deeper into me. Um, so I find that even beforehand, right? Just mm -hmm. being grateful. Um, so I've been practicing this, these past couple of weeks, waking up, first thing I do every morning is to say, what am I thankful for? You know, oh man, I'm so thankful I had a, a great night's sleep or mm -hmm. I'm thankful the cat, uh, did not <laughs> scratch my feet this morning, you know, <laughs> or I'm 
where if I start with that, I feel so much more motivated to mm-hmm. get out of bed and begin my day uh, with this hopeful outlook instead of a uh, kind of outlook. Exactly. Because what's the first thing most people do? Your alarm goes off, you pick up your phone, you open the news, or you open your email, and it's probably not great stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which, and I, I can't remember where I got this tip from, but someone has said, you know, you want to get the most out of your meditation practice, do it first thing when you wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're fresh, your brain's fresh, there's nothing happening you haven't read anything you haven't you know you're just a blank slate and so do some of that work then absolutely i would say fit it in wherever you can even if it's one minute at an odd time is better than none yeah if you have an option to do it in the morning absolutely a great time yeah it sets the tone for the day too which is really helpful like you said with kind of a gratitude piece in the morning both are good you know really helpful yeah well, and you have all that, right, for benefits of gratitude, stronger immune system, lower blood pressure, better sleep, higher level of positive emotions, joyful, happy, optimistic. You feel more alert, awake, motivated, more generous, helpful, compassionate, more forgiving, less lonely, and isolated. Ooh, that's a big one, I think. Yeah. For right now, less lonely and isolated. Yeah. Because we can be grateful for the clothes that we're wearing and think about you know, how many hands these clothes passed to be able to get to the point that we have them or the food we're eating or, you know, it's, we're not on an island. And so we're all very interconnected. And so lots of people have done things to make available what we have right now. Yeah. Yeah. I try Whenever I go to the grocery store, I try to say something to the grocery store worker, which most mm-hmm. of the time is a high school kid, you know? Sure. Hey, thank you so much for being here. You know, mm-hmm. and going through this, it must be a crazy time. Grateful that you're willing to, you know, show up so that I can be here. Yeah. Um, it's easy for me to forget that. Mm-hmm. For all of us, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anything else on gratitude? I think that, I mean, I think that covers most of it. You know, if, if anybody wants to get creative about it, you know, Google gratitude and gratitude practices and you'll find lots of different options. To fit yep. something that fits your lifestyle and your time frame and, and need. Hmm. Oh yeah. Great. So this is again all the stuff that we know and that we rarely do. So tips for general well-being. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know we intuitively know these things, but we forget to do them or they don't fit into our lifestyle or you know, X, Y, Z, there are lots of reasons why we don't, um, but these things are free mostly, and <laughs> they actually make maybe even more significant benefit than a lot of things that we could do as far as like prescription medications and things. Um, I mean, they can be incredibly helpful as well, but the research can show that, you know, exercise and connection and things like that can be equally as efficacious. So I just think, you know, it's worth paying attention to some of these pieces. Um, so no, no huge surprises here. You know, self-care, of course, is taking good care of yourself. It's doing things that are just for you. So I like to think of self-care as this idea of the oxygen mask. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, for the airplane? Mm-hmm. Yep. 
you got to put yours on first, right? Um, and so in that kind of vein, you know, it's choosing something that's for you um, specifically, not specifically for someone else. Hmm. And I think this can be done by a lot of different activities, but it's more about the intention, the attention and the attitude in which we do them. That's mindful and good self-care. So like it could be painting your fingernails if you're Mm -hmm. someone who loves to have your fingernails painted or, you know, absolutely doing your hair up or Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, yeah. If I hate to have my fingernails painted and I'm I'm painting them for someone else, that's not self-care. Right. I love to have them painted for me so that I can see them, then it is good self-care. So, you know, that's where it's not so much in my perspective about the activity. It's more about that intention, attention and attitude of doing it Mm. that really frames it as self-care. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's for you. So if you need to sit on the couch and watch Netflix for an hour Mm -hmm. and that's self-care for you, that's for you. Mm -hmm. Right. Versus sitting on the couch because I don't know, your kids are sitting on the couch and you, you know, <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Then we've got movement and exercise. No big surprises there. We know that that's um, incredibly beneficial for mood, you know, endorphins, uh, serotonin. I mean, it just, the benefits are there. And of course the physical piece, you know, it can help our bodies. Um, the rhythms and the, you know, kind of moving, in combination with someone, like if you're going on a walk with someone in your family that you're quarantined with, kind of that rhythm, that bilateral rhythm of walking is also really helpful for the nervous system. So, you know, yoga we know is yoking, it's bringing the mind and the body and the spirit all to one, um, the breathing. So, you know, I think it kind of goes without saying, but of course, exercise and movement are going to be helpful for general well being. Yeah. Anytime I'm um, having like, feeling down, frustrated. I usually just think, have I worked out today? And usually I haven't. So then I'm like, I need to go do that right now. Even if right. it's what I would call a crappy workout, you know, even if it's not a great, I don't feel like oh, I did a great job today. You know, I'm like, I just need to do something, something. Right. I always feel so much better uh, mentally, emotionally, physically. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the yogis would say you're only one class away from a good mood. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Just one. So, yeah. Um, then we got meditation, journaling, breathing. Again, not big surprises here. Um, we know these are beneficial, and we also know how easy it is to avoid these. Yeah. To know it and to not do it. <laughs> yep. For sure. Um, good nutrition, so eating well, of course, um, spending time outside in nature. There's a lot of research around that and the benefits of being in nature, feeling connected, fresh air, grounding, um, you know, putting your bare feet in the soil and in the grass. Um, to go on the walking. Yeah, I mean, you can get a lot when you're walking. You yeah. can hit a couple of these. You know, it's kind of a powerhouse for that. Yeah. Touch a tree, take your shoes off, walk in the grass somewhere, whatever you mm-hmm. got to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, connecting to other people, of course, you know, investing in relationships, people who you care about, um, that social connection is profound, profoundly important. And of course, a challenge right now that we do have digital ways to do it. We do have 
you know, social distancing. If you're on a walk and you see someone across the street, maybe just wave to them, say hello, hope you're doing well, good to see you. Even that can make a difference. Yeah. And then I've got meaning here, um, which is kind of like what we had talked about before in some ways with making meaning and um, thinking about the, the grieving process, a Kubler-Ross's model is doing something beyond ourselves, like something that, um, you know, giving something that's kind, um, doing a random act of kindness, you know, being grateful, you know, sending someone a note or a card or a text, um, just, you know, kind of looking at the world as there are other things outside of ourselves. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Something about um, a larger story, right? You're not the center of the universe and that's actually helpful, right? Mm -hmm. It'd give you a little more comfort and peace. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We aren't in charge here, and thank goodness. Yeah. Um, a sense of mastery and a sense of accomplishment. This is one that I think is really important right now, is that because our routines are so off, it's easy to just think that we're not doing anything. Hmm. And I think uh, acknowledging that we are accomplishing things, we have completed things, you know, giving ourselves check marks or whatever that looks like to kind of, you know, giving ourselves credit for completing things yeah. can go a long way. We're not getting the, you know, good job from a boss or you're, you know, I loved your email or, you know, it's good to see you. We're not getting as much of that right now. Yeah. And so I think if we're not getting that from people around us, then we need to make sure that we're doing things throughout the day that we can recognize that we're finishing and then, you know, just kind of take note of that mentally or, you know, if you're doing a, a tick mark or a checklist or something like that to feel good. So you're saying spouses should give each other to-do lists? <laughs> <laughs> if they're doable, if they're achievable, Joel, you know, we have to have reasonable goals, not <laughs> okay. outlandish ones. Within reason. Yeah. Yes, within reason. And maybe do them together. That would be fun. There you go. Yeah. Maybe. That'd be good. Um, have routine, have some structure, get some good sleep, be gentle with yourself. Again, you know, kind of like the, the sense of accomplishment one is a lot of people are stressed. We haven't done this before. We don't all know how to do this perfectly. So being kind and generous with one another can go a long way and with ourselves. Um, and laughter is really important. So trying to watch a comedy or learn some jokes, you know, if there are a lot of physical benefits within the body, um, you know, serotonin, endorphins, lots of other chemical cascades that are beneficial. Yeah. So become a stand-up stand up comedian during quarantine. Why not? <laughs> you got time, right? Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Everyone, everyone could do that. Just give it a whirl. So. Okay. Yeah. Great reminders. General tips. And then, um, you know, if somebody's interested in getting connected with a therapist and kind of doing their own work, it's mostly telehealth right now, which means it's virtual through Zoom or we're using WebEx through different platforms or telephonic um, until it can be back in person. And you can go to psychologytoday.com, which is a website. It's kind of like an online database for therapists. You can search by zip code, by insurance and find a list of folks you can start looking through to see a little bit of their bio and, and see if you think they'd be a good fit for you. Yeah, awesome. Um, and, and you've got on here, 
you know, a mental health crisis call the national suicide hotline, right? Mm -hmm. um, always a great reminder for anyone who's feeling extra stressed right now. Um, yeah, and there's a, a texting line that's free also. It's a, a national line where you can text NC um, or you can text hello to 741-741. And there are folks there ready to support, um, provide some resources and, you know, kind of help with some guidance there. Of course, calling 911. I mean, this is an emergency if there are concerns around safety and presenting to the nearest emergency room or emergency department. Yeah, always great reminders. Thank you for that. Um, there, okay, so there was one other slide you had sent that mm -hmm. I was really intrigued about. It, it's the one, uh, the circle, that one. Yeah. Yes. Cognitive behavioral therapy, which is what you do, right? Yes. This is your thing? Okay. Uh, can you just talk through that really quick? Like, mm -hmm. So this is a lot of the things that we've been talking about fit into this model. So the cognitive behavioral therapy model, um, cognitions are referring to the mind and the brain and behaviors are referring to what we do. And then we have emotions. So it's looking at these three components and how they work together. And you'll see in the model here, um, and if you're not seeing this, it's essentially thoughts, emotions, and behaviors and they have double arrows in between each part. So it looks kind of like a triangle. Yeah. And so what we think about affects what we do, and what we do affects how we feel, and how we feel impacts what we think, and vice versa. So what we think can impact how we feel, how we feel impacts what we do, and what we do impacts how we think. So you can basically start anywhere on the model and recognize the impact of other things. So that's where if we're thinking these, oh my gosh, this is worst case scenario, this is terrible, this is the worst thing that could ever happen, it's definitely happening to me, it's definitely happening to my family, that's going to shift how we feel. It's also going to shift what we do and how we are, how we show up in the world. And so if those thoughts are not accurate and they're not helpful, that's a big deal because that's affecting how we feel and what we do. And so that's the benefit of pausing and breathing and checking out our thoughts, recognizing what am I thinking? That's kind of the benefit of journaling and meditation um, is to be able to tune into that stuff so that we can see is what I'm thinking accurate and is it helpful? Hmm. Yeah. And I, I just thought that was so, I mean, you know it, but then to get it just point blank said, Hey, what you do affects what you think and mm -hmm. what you do affects how you feel. So mm -hmm. sit around on the couch all day, you're going to be feeling something different than if you were up doing some stuff. And we know that, yes. um, but it's a great reminder or what you think, right. Is going to affect what you do and it's going to affect how you feel. Right? Mm -hmm. And I think to me, yeah, just, Oh, you mean what you think? What you think actually affects everything else. Yeah, just like what you do affects everything else, just like how you feel. Um, so I love that and the idea, which brings me back to that 90 seconds of feeling mm -hmm. something. Oh, okay. If, if you hold on to that feeling, if you create a story about it, right. then it's going to affect what you do and how you think for, I don't know, all day, the next hour, the next week, the next, yeah. As long as you perpetuate that, you're going to stay in this loop, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And so. that's where if you change one of these, so we think of it like systems theory, it's kind of like cogs on a wheel. So, you know, it's like everything works like this, but if I do this, like things don't work anymore. And so everything has to change so that it can work together. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I change my thought instead of this is the worst thing, oh my gosh, nothing's going to be okay again, the world's going to be changed forever and it's going to be a terrible place to live in. If that's what I'm thinking, we know that's going to affect what I do and yeah. how I'm feeling. Yeah. And we also know that that's probably not an accurate, helpful thought. So if instead I thought the world is different, how can I be a part of positive change? And how can I use this for growth right now? How can I use this as a catalyst to create the world that I want to live in? If that's what I'm thinking, that's what I'm believing, that's going to change what I do. And it's also going to change how I feel. Hmm. So that's, you know, by changing one aspect, we can change the whole cycle. And you mentioned behaviors and being on the couch. That was a great example. You know, of if I get up and I go do things, even if I don't think that I want to, or I don't feel like doing it, if I force myself and I push myself to go do that thing, I'm likely going to feel better and have more positive thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And even if it's not a major, I've, I've found for myself, because I've had a couple of days, you know, where I'm like, Ugh, it's raining, I'm just going to sit here. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and sometimes I just have to trick myself five minutes. I'm going to get mm -hmm. up in five minutes and go do this one thing and expect nothing else. Right. Um, but then everything changes, you know, or like today I called my brother and I, I knew, I was like, if I call him, I'm going to feel so motivated afterwards to pay attention to some other things I need to be doing. Um, mm -hmm. It would have been fine if they didn't get done, but I was like, no, this would be good. And it did, right? And it was just a phone call. And I knew that. And I think we all know the little things that help us get out of our funk. Yeah. yeah. So, I would so say awesome. is one little caveat to this model is that you don't start with emotions. So it's not like I feel sad, change that, just feel happy. And then mm -hmm. I can change my thinking or my behaviors. Because we know that's the emotions are a consequence of my thinking and potentially a consequence of what I'm doing. Okay. So you either start with thought or behavior. Yes. Okay. And okay. If you were feeling anxious or stressed right now, Joel, and I said, Joel, don't feel that way. Feel happy and feel calm. Just feel calm right now, okay? Just be calm. Yeah, it's not going to work. And you're going to be frustrated with me, right? Mm. Yeah, and I didn't really notice. Yeah, but everything you talked about was there were ways to change, right? There were physical ways or different ways to change your thinking. They weren't um, ways of directly changing your emotions. Right. Yeah. But there are either thought or behavior that could shift your emotion or your thinking. Or your See, behavior. now you're a cognitive person too, a cognitive behavioral therapist. You got it figured it. out. <laughs> you got it. You got the model. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And I think, I mean, I, I like you said earlier, you know, be generous with yourself, right? Be mm -hmm. um, gentle with yourself. So yeah, if you have a day where you've got to sit on the couch all day, there's nothing wrong with that either. Yeah, mm -hmm. not the end of the world. And um, we all have days like that too. Yeah. So it's just if you stay there day after day after day, then right. yeah. So. And we know we're, we're perpetuating this cycle to keep us locked into that same behavior and that same pattern. Whereas mm -hmm. if we can shift one element being our thoughts or our behaviors, 
we have that opportunity to shift everything else too. Yeah. Oh man. Whew. This was a gift. This was a, this was great. I, I learned so much. This was awesome. Good. Well, I'm, I'm happy that it's helpful. Yeah. Wow. Well, thanks for taking the time to share. Um, and any, any closing thoughts or comments or anything you else you'd want to say? I mean, I think just, you know, follow your intuition as far as taking good care of yourself, taking care of other people, you know, using your resources, using your support, connecting, um, you know, find maybe a tool or an idea in this and try it out for a week, see what you think. Um, we're not foolproof perfect. Uh, I think it's tailored to each person, but, you know, give it kind of a try and, and see if anything, you know, fits. Yeah. Ah, that's awesome. I got a barking Owen dog in the background. <laughs> so, uh, that's so great. Thank you so much, Julie. Yeah, no problem.